Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with the fire of your love, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Grace family, it is such a privilege to be able to break open God's holy word with you this morning. I wanted to start out by telling you something funny that I heard this week. Uh, an older gentleman went to the hearing doctor this week, and um, he had never been able to hear really well in his life. And so he went to the hearing doctor, they fit him with a new model of hearing aid, and he could hear to 100%. Well, a couple weeks later, they wanted to do another checkup on him just to see how he was hearing. And the doctor, amazed at the report, says, oh my gosh, you can hear magnificently. I'm sure that your family is so excited that you can hear. And he replied, well, I haven't told my family that I can hear. And I've just sat there quietly and I have changed my will three times this week. Again, I want to tell you how blessed I am and how proud I am to be a part of this church community. I've told many people uh, at the seminary, but maybe if I've encountered you here, um, that I leave this church just transformed and a new person um, after every Sunday. And it's due to, I think, the mission and ministry of this parish. And I'm just so grateful um, that I'm just one little small part of the story of grace and everything that we do. Weston was just telling me this past week that we had a meeting about conservation, and I know that that means a whole lot to the people in this area. And I'm just proud that this church is playing a small part in that effort to preserve our cultural heritage, our land, and I think that that is so important. And it's really had an impact on my life where this church takes a stand and really trying to preserve our community. Now, I hope that some of you got the chance to be able to watch the Chosen clip that was in the Grace Vine. And the reason why I, I wanted to put that in there is because it locates ourselves in the gospel that we read today. See, the scene starts out with Nicodemus coming in to meet Jesus at night. Now, an important thing that we have to get here is Nicodemus is not necessarily seen in the best light by many Christians. He's portrayed as this person who lacks faith, and also there's this kind of anti-Semitism that, that streams under in Nicodemus, and we have to be very careful of that. But let's not try to demonize Nicodemus in this scene, because after all, Nicodemus is just standing in for us in this scene. So we see Nicodemus coming to see Jesus. He's interested in Jesus. He's heard about his healings. He's heard about his preaching. He's heard about his ministry. And like Nicodemus, I think many of us are interested in Jesus. I hope that you are. You're here. But I think so many in our world are interested in Jesus. They're just a little skeptical. You know, I've had many times where I've been like Nicodemus. Someone asked me what I do for a living or why am I I'm in D.C. and a lot of times I won't tell them that I'm in seminary because I'm afraid of the reaction that I'm going to get. And so sometimes I just say I'm, I'm in graduate school. So even in myself, I can see the behavior of being like a Nicodemus. I love Jesus with all my heart, but sometimes I just don't know how to be able to describe it. And so as a person that's interested in Jesus, I definitely associate myself with Nicodemus in the scene. And 
kind of subvertly going and seeing Jesus at night. I think our culture is very interested in Jesus too. They have this new movie that's out in theaters right now called The Jesus Revolution, which I've only seen the clip about it. I've, I've wanted to go and see the movie. But if you get a chance, go on YouTube, watch the clip. It's about this time and space in our country in the 1960s and early 1970s, where Time Magazine put out about four years uh, before this movie takes place, this huge image. It's the first time that a facial image had not been on Time Magazine where it said, God is dead. And then four years later, Time Magazine puts this kind of uh, 1970s looking Jesus, you know, with all the bright colors of disco and everything on this Time Magazine, calling it the Jesus Revolution. We've got a lot of people that are interested, I think, in Jesus, not only back then, but I think today. So we put ourselves in this narrative of this gospel. We're interested about Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus why he has come. He's come to show us a new kingdom, a new life filled with hope, and with a life and a future that is filled with hope and renewal of the Spirit. And then, a little bit later, we get this image of a snake being put up on a pole. See, if we go back to Numbers and what that scripture verse is referencing to, he's referring to a point in time where the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness. And what had happened was, is while they were traveling through the wilderness, God provided the manna, as we might remember. And then the people of Israel cursed the manna. And so snakes were sent out and poisoned the people. And in the midst of that, God created a way for them to be healed. He instructed Moses to construct this snake or serpent and put it on a pole. And anyone who gazed upon it was healed. See, that kind of image reminds us or should evoke to us the the sign of the cross or the crucifixion. Jesus, too, was lifted up on a pole. And that's an important point because it leads up to the invitation that we get today. It's through the cross that we understand the invitation of our gospel lesson today. You know, Christianity in itself is an invitation. So too, as Christianity is invitation, Lent is an invitation. It's an invitation for us to get back to the basics, to scale back, to refocus our lives on loving people, and reconnecting ourselves to being disciples of Christ. Our gospel lesson, as I just mentioned, is another invitation. It actually sums up the heart of the Christian message, which is not a message of no, but of yes, to a life of transformation and of renewal by water and the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I love it when I get an invitation in the mail. I just got an invitation in the mail from my fraternity brother, who I haven't probably talked to in about six months to a year. But on the bottom of that invitation, and I'm really happy that he sent that to me. I mean, it just, it makes you feel good when you get an invitation like that. It's like, oh, they remembered me, you know, and I, that warmed my heart, even though we hadn't spoken in about six, six months to a year. But on the bottom of that invitation, if you notice, there's these letters, RSVP. Responde, s'il vous plaît. It's French. And usually there's a date that you need to respond back to that RSVP. And if you don't immediately respond to that RSVP, or if you go past the date, you're not necessarily guaranteed a spot in that wedding or event that they're planning to invite you to. 
Now, my friends, we get an invitation in Scripture today. When we get an invitation, we usually want to know three things. We want to know who's it from, who's it for, and what's it about. Well, we get that invitation in John 3.16 today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And I think when we read images like this, I always conjure up an image of Billy Graham on a pulpit at a crusade. But I think it's also important that we get other interpretations of this message. And so this is what Eugene Peterson says in the message version of the Bible. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his only son, his one and only son. And this is why, that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point the accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. He came to help, to put the world right again. And anyone that trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under death sentence without knowing it. And why? because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. The important takeaway here, I think for all of us, is that God loves the world. He did not come to condemn it, but he came to love us back to a whole existence. So who is our invitation from today? It's from G-O-D, it's from God. And so many people have a misunderstanding of who God is. Take, for instance, this story. Back during the space race, the Soviets were, of course, the first country to ever send an astronaut into space. And as soon as the astronaut came back to Earth, they asked him the first question, did you see God? And this astronaut said, no, I didn't see God. And the Soviets herald this as Truth that God really doesn't exist. And when the Americans sent up our astronaut into space, this is kind of pithy, the fourth question that was asked by our American journalists was, have you seen God? And the American astronaut said, I would have if I would have stepped out of my spacesuit." <laughs> so we have two different understandings of who God really is. See, we as Christians believe that God is alive. and We believe that because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is whom our invitation is from today. Now, to whom is the invitation to? It's to the world. It's to you and me. But not everyone accepts this invitation at face value. My friend J. John often tells this story. He was... Um, lecturing at Oxford University, and he had gone through this whole weeks long full of lectures, and this young guy came to him at the end of one of his lectures and said, you know, J. John, I really like the way you speak. You're very eloquent. It's very nice, but this whole Christianity thing, I think it's just kind of a crutch. And J. John just kind of paused, and he said, in his mind, he said, well, I hope you break both your legs. 
But pausing, he took a breath, collected himself, and he said, all right, if you broke both of your legs, wouldn't you appreciate the help of a wheelchair to get around? And the guy said, of course I do. And then J. John said, if you broke one of your legs, wouldn't you appreciate the pair of crutches to help you get around? And he said, well, of course I would. And then J. John said, look, I'm a broken person. You're a broken person. I haven't met a broken person. And I appreciate it and bless that I can lean on Jesus while he's putting me back together again. So what is Christianity all about? What is our invitation all about? It's really about three things. Christianity in itself is based on scripture, on the Bible. There's about 800,000 words in this book. But there's really three things that are at the heart of Christianity. It's forgiveness from the past, new life here today, and for a hope in the future. As J. John reminds us, often everything else in this book is commentary or application on these three things. Wow. Our greatest need as humans isn't for money or technology or to be in the right political persuasion. Our greatest need is for a doctor to come and heal our broken hearts. Someone who will give us everything to see us back to health and that our hearts may be whole once again. And that doctor today is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus started in the healing process in each and every one of us by being lifted up on a cross. Like the serpent in the wilderness, by gazing upon Christ, it starts the antidote of forgiveness and the agent of healing begins. Just like it was in the wilderness. God so loved the world that he made a way through Jesus to be healed by showing us how to love, forgive, and to be forgiven. We are invited to a new life today. You know, the word Christian comes from the Greek word anointed one, or little anointed ones. And so we are all little Christ by virtue of the sacrament of baptism. Jesus dwells in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus offers us medicine through himself and offers us new life. You know, I've got a friend who depends on medication every day so that he can see a new day. Depends on insulin due to his diabetes. And this insulin offers him a new life every day by keeping him well, alive, and thriving. So to us, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us every day that we might invite Christ to dwell in us. That is so we can spread Christ's healing through asking for forgiveness, forgiving ourselves and others, and by loving one another as Christ loves us. You know, I got to be able to experience this type of love this past week. I had the privilege of going and visiting Betsy at her home. And the one thing that she told me before I left, it was just three simple words, but it had a huge impact and it brought a little bit of healing into my heart. She says, I love you. And for a moment, the, the stoniness of my heart just rolled away. It was just a little bit of balm in what I needed. And I think that we underestimate 
the power of those three words, I love you. And in our invitation today, that's what we're called to do, is to be loved back into wholeness and to love other people back into wholeness. That is the invitation of our gospel today. And regarding our past, we can't alter our past, but we can bring our past to the altar. And we can be restored, renewed, and forgiven, and to be presented a new chance at life and a hope for the future. My hope for us, friends, is we love Jesus like Jesus and Betsy do, and that we invite people to encounter a new life with hope. Amen.